fun to do life together. That's, that's such a great segue into what I'm talking about this morning. Um, what, I, what I do want to talk about is community. Uh, one of the things that Jesus talked about was he said the two most important things were what? Love God, love people. And those are so tightly knit together. Those are so um, connected that you really can't pull them apart. So that's what I want to talk about this morning is community and life groups as we're, as we're getting rolling with our life groups. Um, I went through a phase when I went to, I was a missionary engine maker for a year, and um, I really experienced community on a, on a really deep level. It was, a, it was the commune level. I lived on site, it was a drug rehab. I lived on site with the students, I lived on site with my peers, I lived on site with my leaders. So um, you couldn't go to the bathroom without uh, one of the students going, Brother Jared, Brother Jared. Or, uh, or just wanting something, have you graded my paper yet? Have you, you know, because it was, a, like I said, a rehab program. But we did such a tight life community thing together that we knew, it was, we knew each other's business. We, we held each other accountable. We had deep relationships. We had deep community. And i got to be honest, when I got back from the States, or from Jamaica to the States, I got a little bit uh, disillusioned with the American church, which caused me to be a little bit critical. And, um, and if you've heard this before, this is how I was feeling at the time. You've probably heard this similar before. Why don't we just be like the early church? Why can't we go back to the way things were in the early church? Have y'all heard that before? Maybe some of you have said it before. Why don't we just all meet in homes? That's how they do it, right? Well, I studied early church, and over the years I've learned a few things. So I wanted to share a little bit of a history about how we meet and why we meet and the different ways that we meet. So one of the things I've understood is that because the early church met in homes, doesn't mean it's the only way or that it's a more spiritual way. It was just a way. Um, in fact, the earliest Christians were actually Jews. They were converts from Judaism. And they actually just met in the temple as they always had. It is kind of a regular thing that says in Acts 2, verse 46 to 47, that they would all meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes. So there was really both expressions if you look back at the early church. So they, they met in the temple. They would come together just like they would for their services in the, in the synagogues. And they would pray together and they would worship together and they would do all those things together in a large corporate gathering. But then they would also go back to their homes and break their bread together and enjoy each other and fellowship. So there really wasn't a, a one way or another. And the Bible never mandates you must meet this way. It just says, here are some things that they did. Another thing I learned is that one of the reasons that the early church moved into the home is because uh, as Gentiles came to Christ, they weren't really accepted by the Jewish people. They were different. In fact, the Jewish people didn't really, uh, it was more like a social thing. And that's why Peter got rebuked by Paul because he was pulling away from Gentiles and trying to exclude them. They weren't, just weren't really accepted. So for Gentiles, they didn't have the local YMCA or the local high school to go run out and meet in. So what, what they did is just resorted to meet in homes. And usually they, they would meet in the more fluent, richer homes to give a little bit more space. So that was another reason why the church went from a gathering, or like a temple, synagogue thing, into a home. And of course, as you, if you've seen Gladiator or some of those other movies, you also know, if you know history, that Christians became lion food. They were burned at the stake, they were persecuted. Uh, they were not a very popular subgroup or subculture in the Roman culture. So 
for safety's sake, they had to move into the homes. They had to go underground, which as a kid I, I literally thought meant underground, which I thought was actually kind of cool, huh? like a tunnel or something. Tunnel church. But it actually just means that they, they went into secret or into hiding uh, and, and not in homes. And you see this in current times, as, as a matter of fact. And since the breeds, what is this the same invention? So you see this in, in China, from China, where the church has been persecuted. They have moved from large meetings into secret meetings, smaller meetings, where they're not being caught and persecuted. So I kind of just learned a couple of things that maybe that wasn't the only way, and maybe that's not the right way, but it's a way. And Hebrews 10, 24, if you want to turn there. Hebrews 10, verse 24 through 25. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. So I was once told there's only three ways to meet. Only three. There's only three ways to meet, and that is small, medium, and large. Now, those can be relative. If you go to Gateway, or if you go to uh, you know, one of the larger churches in the area, it's all relative. Um, for us, this would be more of the medium to large for, for our relativity. But um, the conclusion I came to is there's no right or wrong way or right, right or wrong size to meet, just that we meet. That was the mandate. That was the thing that we had to do because when we do life together, we're stronger. When we're unified, we're better. When when the interns are spurring each other on to, to go further, go harder, to, to pray for that person or to, to minister to that person, it helps, it encourages, it inspires us, especially when we see our, our brothers and sisters doing fun things. That uh, should be a good plug for the internship. So, what is the importance of community? I, if, if anybody likes to work out, or if you've lived under a rock, maybe you haven't heard of CrossFit, everybody pretty familiar with CrossFit, or at least have heard of it. Um, it, is a, it is a group of people that purposely, intentionally torture one another <laughs> with, uh, with physical pain, and they do this on a regular basis. Um, and it's a very, it's become a very popular way to work out. And um, one of the statistics that kind of shocked me is that with typical gym membership, over six months, 80% of the people fall out. They drop out. They don't work out. They quit the membership. 80%. But with CrossFit, they have a, such a high retention rate that they're growing and expanding and opening new places. And I thought, how can you get people to physically assault their bodies and enjoy it and like it and be consistent with it? Well, one of the business models that they, they've created around working out is community. That's why CrossFit has become so popular. And if you have anybody on Facebook that does CrossFit, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because they constantly are posting pictures of their workouts, but also they're constantly posting pictures of the dinners and the events and the things that they all go do afterwards. That's what's made such a strong community around CrossFit is that they, they have suffered together. They, they're doing life together. They're, they're working out together. And, and not just an individual, I'm going to go do curls. We're all going to, we're in this together. And that really builds a community. And so that really impacted me on just in the natural or in something that's not even a spiritual thing. 
how valuable community is. It's something that's so innate in all of us that we all desire, we all need. Who doesn't want to connect with somebody? Unless you're a hermit, but I still think you've probably got issues. Um, and it was, it was Jesus that took 12 rough men, uneducated men that were probably not the next uh, Sanhedrin or the next leaders of the church. They were, they were kind of just fishermen and roughnecks and, and blue-collar workers. But he took these imperfect men and he poured his life into them. And Jeremy said yesterday to the interns at, uh, at the graduation, he said, yes, it was to impart and to teach and disciple, but it was more so that they could just be with each other, be with them. So he took 12 people and did life with them and did community with them, and they went on to change the world because they knew who they were, their identity was, was shared. So I want to talk about the benefits of, of life groups because this is going to be a, a, a big push here in the church. This is going to become a priority here. Uh, and I want, sometimes it's easy to explain what a life group is not or what something is not before we tell you, before I tell you what it is. So, Amanda, if you want to show this video, this is a little example of, uh, of what small group is not. Are you tired of small groups always getting in your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, maybe get some free grub? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to do a messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with them. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. Just stop the pity party. We don't have our issues. You know what we want to do work together? Frankly, a shallow small group. We try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never know if you the trauma. Superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group. Because when things get too deep, people drown. Oh, I wish I'd put that video together. So that's an example of what small groups are not. Even though it's funny. So one of the things of, of doing life together or uh, 
being in a life group is discipleship. And I had a really uh, powerful example of this one time in my life. Somebody gave me a rock, and there's a whole lot of prophetic picture behind that. It was actually a blue stone from the Blue Mountains. All that worship, the whole prophetic thing, I don't have time to go into. But uh, they gave me a rock, and uh, you know, about this size, and I thought, I wonder what it looks like polished. So I Googled it, really cool looking. And I thought, you know, I'm going to buy a rock tumbler and just tumble this rock, and I'm going to polish it, and it's going to look awesome. And, and it really didn't turn out the way I thought, because this big rock went to like this small. You can barely see it now. And it doesn't really look that cool. But the point is, is the Lord really taught me something through that. I learned that if you took a rock, you know, a rough rock, and just threw it in the river, it's going to take about 100 years for that rock to become a river rock, to become smooth and polished. 100 years. But if you throw that rock in with a bunch of other rocks and with the water, it, what takes 100 years takes two weeks. And it was a very powerful um, example to me in that, or a metaphor, in that I can sit in with the Holy Spirit, and yes, He does change us. But what happens when you throw a bunch of other rocks in with the Holy Spirit, and we start bumping into each other, and we start getting into each other's lives? That process accelerates rapidly. So I think the, those two commandments are so important, and it's like I said, so connected. We've got to have, we've got to love God. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. We've got to have each other. Loving each other makes us better. So you get discipleship. Um, and Proverbs 27, 17 says, I am second time. You guys all know that scripture. So it got me thinking, what are some of the ways we disciple here at the house? Currently. I posed this to our leadership team, and there really wasn't any vehicles outside of EJS, which I know that, you know, that's a great vehicle for that, but that's not available for everybody in this community. Um, and there was also something that was thrown out the prayer room. But that's, again, that's, that's the, the river. That's the river lot. And that's important when you prayer and all that stuff. But there really wasn't um, a sure vehicle for discipleship. And so one of the things I'm, I'm really passionate about is community and seeing people get connected. And so I've, got, I've recently taken over life groups and we're really going to be pushing this because I feel like this is one of the places where discipleship is going to happen. When you really begin to open up and become transparent with one another, that's when your heart gets changed. Because we all have walls up. We've all built up these things to protect ourselves, to keep other people out from hurting us, or to keep people from seeing who we really are, the faults that we have. But what happens when we get into this intimate group is we begin to open up and we begin to, begin to share our lives with each other, and those walls begin to come down. And it doesn't seem to really happen in a service. Like I said, there's benefits to meeting small, medium, and large. I love the corporate worship. I love coming together. I love how we get so, like, have you ever been to a, a huge conference or, like, a, a call or, um, you know, something where there's thousands of people? That's so much fun to me because there's a momentum that happens when thousands of people are crying out to the Lord. But I've also, I just saw leading small group again here in the last, last three, three months. And I forgot, what, what, I forgot how fun also that intimate setting was for worship too. Just with, you know, 15 people. It's so intimate and I love it. Um, but anyway, I, I experienced this four years ago, five years ago in my own life. I had kind of been away from the Lord, not, not too far, but far enough. And uh, 
I, I got involved in a life group at a church actually down the street. And what these people did, because I was, I was, I was really, I didn't know who I was. My identity was just all over the map, and I was insecure. And these people really spoke identity, identity into me. They really built me up and encouraged me. And it was through small group of learning how to succeed and how to fail is where I began to find out who I was in Christ and these people that encouraged me along the way. So it was such a powerful thing that happened in my life that I, I became a huge believer and proponent of it. One of the other benefits is uh, relationships. I've heard many, many times, and it's, it's as this is a young church, so as the church has grown, it's gotten better and better, but there was a lot of people that could come to me and say, how do I get connected here? I don't know how to make relationships here. I don't know how to get involved. Well, one of the things small group or life groups provide is a place for you to connect. It's, it's a place where you can get to know people, and it's, it's actually, that's the expression of, of what it talks about when it said they break bread together. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and they were breaking bread. And that's actually one of the things that we do in our group. We have snacks. We have, we eat together. We take 30 minutes, and we just hang out and eat, and then we do our thing. <laughs> so, and what I found out is that people are a lot, a lot like Legos. Where's the head of Lego up here? The prop. Some Legos have, you know, a few connections. Some of them are bigger and have lots of connections. But the, but the point is, is once those connections are full, once all those Legos are stacked and those connections are full, you can't connect anything and they can connect to the top. You can't connect anything to that, that Lego. And a lot of people really have a finite amount of resources. We have, you know, at least... 120. I think we probably had more people following. So there was thousands that were following. We know there was 120 in the upper room. We know that he sent out 70, but he had 12 that he really ran with. And if you even break it down further than that, he had three that he shared experiences with, such as the Mount of Transfiguration. And that was Peter, John, and James. And then there was one that was called the disciple that Jesus loved, John. So you even see this breakdown happen in Jesus' own life. He had many people that followed him. He had people that he trusted to do the ministry. He had his apostles, and then he had his close friends. So I don't think that a lot of times there's an expectation in church, especially on leadership or other people that are in, in that function, that capacity, that they have to be the person that prays for everybody, or they have to be the person that, that is their emotional support or their counselor or uh, their best friend. And that cannot be, it's just impossible. It cannot happen that way. And that's one of the things that life group provides. It provides a place where it, well, first of all, it dismantles the holy man myth of the one person and they do it all. And it creates, it raises up other people to do the work of the ministry. Life group leaders then become like little pastors. And that group becomes its own little sufficient thing. So it's like a family within a family. So that's what we really want to see here, is people begin to develop those deep connections. And, and, like I said, learning how to move in your gifts, that's another benefit of doing life together in, in life groups. Like I said, as people as people are put into places of leadership in small groups, worship leaders or, or life group leaders, they begin to understand who they are and they rise to the challenge. They'll rise to the occasion and you'll see people in your group do the same thing. I've seen it in my group. And I, one of the groups I led um, a couple of years ago, 
we did uh, a book actually from Lawrence Farr, Steve Thompson, uh, and it was about prophecy and how to prophesy, and it broke it down. And so, for a lot of us uh, back then, this is very prophetic community here, but back then, that was pretty much new to us. We thought this was a, a mystical thing that only certain people had, and only certain people could do. So we took, we took this book and we broke it down into 12 weeks and we went through it chapter by chapter. And then every week we practice over each other. And I watched, I watched people in my group like stepping up and break up in a little like two or three. And I watched them, you know, I just feel like you're a da 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 da. And that person was like, wow, yeah, that's right. And I, and I watched that person light up like, oh my gosh, I can do this, I can do this. So we did that over, over a 12 to 13 week period. And then we started going out and doing some what we call faith assaults. And there was some really cool testimonies out of that. And then we took the whole group to Jamaica and we prophesied over people all over the island and influenced leaders. And some of the words, just like you guys experienced, the words were so spot on and accurate. We left people in tears. And that was awesome. Because what, that's what we wanted to do is we wanted to encourage the people on the ground. We wanted them to be restored and refreshed. So um, you learn how to operate your gifts in a safe environment where you trust the people and they trust you and they're not going to make fun of you. If you can't fail, then you can't succeed. That's one of the ways we grow. I can learn a lot by just listening. I can understand a concept, but I don't have wisdom in that concept until I've actually done it. And this is the place where you can do it. So, I'd love to call up a couple people with some dead testimonies uh, to just share their experiences in if you want to come up first, I can come up too. I'm just going to share a little bit about their experience. We, like I said, we've uh, been doing a live group now for about three months, ten weeks, twelve weeks, and um, it's the first one I've done in a couple of years. And uh, so, anyway, I just wanted them to share a little bit about their experience.
Thank you, Veronica. Yeah, this, this is, uh, uh, and this is how easy it can be for me to laugh through. Uh, I think the question was, what is the, this was the whole teaching, by the way, for this week. What is the, the lie that you believe, and, and what is the strength? What does God say about it? That was the teaching. That was it. And it was everybody that shared. And, uh, and you know, transparency takes time. It takes time to learn how to trust people. And to, um, but at that point, it was, it was the end of our, we, we're doing like, Ten-week cycles where we do ten weeks of life group, two weeks off. Um, but that it was at the end of the cycle, and and people had at that point become comfortable enough with each other to really share their heart and begin to open up about some things. And it was a powerful, powerful night. Um, I'm here for the Haas and started in twenty uh, on a regular basis in November, and so I also. Yeah, sometimes we gotta we gotta tempt people with food. You gotta lure them in, and we we, we take kind of take turns rotating who goes next. But we actually do have a a chef in our group, and uh, her, we look forward to her week. <laughs> it was pretty good. Thank you guys for sharing. Yeah, I've watched because um, there's some there, my group is probably half and half. It's half people I've I've walked with for a while, and it's half people I've I've never walked with. I've, I've just seen them around so high, you know. Again. How deep can we get in, in a large group of people? Hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. you know, we've, got, we've got all the answers down, right? We've got all the questions down, the small talk. We know how to get out of it, get in and out. Um, but I've watched, I've watched some of the people that I, I don't even know and that, that weren't really uh, connected before beginning to open up and beginning to talk to people. And by the end, man, they're chatting, they're having fun, and, and now they have, they're making relationships of the people that they're walking with. And that is the most exciting thing for me because, again, that's what this whole church thing is about. It's about loving Jesus and loving each other. It's about walking together and encouraging one another, inspiring each other to, to go further, to do better, to do greater things with each other. It's about learning to walk in your gifts, growing in the prophetic, growing in the if you're a teacher, this is a great place for you to teach. If you are a pastor, it's a great place for you to learn how to love on people and take care of them. And whatever your gift is, 
this is the place where you grow and you become the identity of who God's made you to be. So, uh, moving forward, hey guys, I want to help me with this part. Uh, moving forward, uh, Hosanna's helped me. Uh, she's come on, as I would call her my co-life group uh, leader. We're um, we're really taking this this uh, the life group ministry and, and refining it and creating some vision behind it. I'm really wanting to roll it out. I feel like we're we're at the top of the mountain with this little bitty snowball. I would just pushed it. <laughs> so from humble beginnings, but but I really feel like this is going to um, be such a, uh, a life support for the community. And w- the one thing is we're not doing theme groups anymore. I know that in the past we've done theme groups. Groups will be themed about relationships. Relationship, relationship, relationship. That's it. The focus will be Jesus, but the purpose will be centered around each other. And that brings joy to Jesus' heart. The last prayer he ever prayed before he was crucified that's recorded in the Bible, in the Garden of Gethsemane, you guys know what it is? What does he pray for? What does he ask for? That we would be one with each other so that the world would know that Christ came that it was God who sent Jesus. It was us loving each other. It was us walking in community and being unified, not uniformity, but unified, that the world would know that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. It was the last thing we prayed. That's how important I think it is. So, we want to see relationships go deep. It doesn't matter whether the life group prays, worships, teaches, eats, whatever they do, we want them to build relationships centered around Christ. In order to keep the intimacy, we're going to ask that groups go for, to about 16 max, 12 to 16, and then close off. And it's not to, it's not to um, be exclusive, it's to keep intimacy because, as you guys probably know, the larger a group grows, the less people want to share, the, the you lose intimacy. Uh, so we're just going to keep them at that, around that size, and we're just, we're not ever going to split a group. I don't think that's the right way to do it because then you put all these people into close connections, and then you just pay them apart. It doesn't make sense to me. So, our group will come together, and it'll form, and it'll stay together, and we'll just create new groups. So, that's one of the things we're going to do moving forward. Also, we ask that once you find a group, it may take you, you know, visiting one or two groups to find a tribe that you really run with, that you really connect with, because let's be honest, we don't connect with everybody. Some people, we, we can love them, we, we can be friends with them, but it doesn't, we may not have a deep spiritual connection with them or a deep relational connection with them. So we just ask that once you find that, that you stick with that group and not hop and, and just plug in and be that family. Anything you want to ask you? Oh, 
work, and that's where you get to know. Like, that's where you get to lay the leg ugly out. You're like, this week, I'm having a really hard time. And you have the body to gather around you, just like your family. And they accept you for where you're at. Or they call you up, and you're like, okay, I know you're struggling here, but let me help you. Like, that's what our heart is, is that each one of you will be known in that deep love. And that people will come around you, and they'll be able to rally, and they'll be able to encourage you, and they'll be able, just like Jared said, to set you like this is who God is. Like, let me speak that truth into your life. Like, this is what I see. And allow you to, to raise up. And so, I'm super excited. I I love I love all of you, and I do really want to know you all. But <laughs> I want you all to be known. And so, I'm super excited about life groups because I think this is a great way to do that. I'm so glad to have her on board with this because uh, I'm an ideas man. And uh, she uh, she makes it happen. Like she puts it on paper, and uh, she's come up with this whole format of, of all the information. And oh man, it's awesome! So she's a huge asset to what we're doing here, and she's a very much a people person. So if you haven't noticed, so we've got um, some groups starting up. Um, Vince is going to be leading a group with the Longs. Stand up! Stand up! And that group's going to meet out in Flower Mound at the Bombs. And it's going to be on Monday from 6 to 9. And it starts May 6th, which is next Monday, right? We also have uh, the Carlsons, Bill and Christy Carlson. And they, uh, they're they moving their group to Friday. They, they do have open going, but they have some space. So if that's the group you want to check out, um, Friday, May 17th is when they're going to be meeting. They meet every other week at 7 p.m. And we've got a couple more groups, uh, I can't announce yet, but that we're working on getting up and going, uh, possibly out in the community in some different areas. Uh, I would also recommend that you don't go to a group just based on your location. Um, that's great if it's close and it's convenient, but you really need to be able to connect with people. Um, so even if you have to drive a little bit, do that. So anyway, in closing, love you guys. I really want you all to connect and be in a life group. Let's take the rest, the rest of the service to just meet some new people and maybe invite somebody to lunch. Um, so anyway, if you guys need prayer, then I, we don't want to we don't want to miss that opportunity. If you if you're hurting, if you need something, if you need healing in your body, want to ask the prayer team to come up. But uh, other than that. You guys are dismissed if you can put some music on there back there for me.